Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome to Walk with God. My name is Brenda. Over the next few weeks, Walt and I would like to share Advent reflections with you. These weeks leading up to Christmas Day can get so busy and we lose sight of Jesus in the midst of the hustle and bustle of this season. I don't know how many of you have been out and around. Uh, I know Walt and I tried to go out as little as possible the last few days because traffic is crazy. Uh, But we have put up some lights out on our balcony. We've hung a wreath on the front door. I set out my snowman collection and Christmas candles. Well, we have to have those in the house. (laughs) Oh, we have lots of candles, folks. We've got lots of candles. And so that's just a favorite part of morning quiet time, but then even in the evening as we make a cup of tea and we sit in our living room, we enjoy candles and all things Christmas. But we want our mind and our focus to go toward Jesus. And even as we do that, um, this is kind of a continuation of what we've been doing the last few months as we've looked into John's Gospel, and we're learning more about Jesus. But let's begin even where we stopped in John chapter 3. We have this wonderful statement by John the Baptist, and, and when his disciples are kind of frustrated and feeling like Jesus is taking the center stage, John says, that's exactly what needs to happen. And he has that wonderful phrase, he Jesus must increase, and I, John the Baptist, must decrease. And we're going to go quickly to the end of this story. If you would go with me to Matthew chapter 11, I'm just summarizing and sharing a couple of verses. But Jesus has finished um, giving instructions to his 12 disciples, and from there he's going and teaching and preaching. And John is in prison and will shortly be martyred for his faith. John is in prison, and he says, are you the coming one, or are we looking for someone else? I'm not sure if John was having doubts, or if he wanted to convey clearly to his disciples, this is the coming one, listen to what he said. And and Jesus goes on and says, to go and tell John this, um, those who are blind receive sight, those who limp now walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, and those who are deaf now hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And even just in the midst of this, Jesus then has a tribute to John the Baptist. And I'll just summarize, even he's saying, people, did you go out in the wilderness just to see some reeds blowing in the wind? Well, no, we can see them any day. Did you go up there to see people dressed in fine clothes? No, they're in palaces. But Jesus says this about John, but what did you go out to see? You went out to see a prophet. Yes, and I tell you, one who is more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare you for me. And I love that expression out of Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I'm sending my messenger, and he will clear a way before me. That was John's job, and I love this. And the Lord whom you are seeking, then he will suddenly come to his trample. Truly, truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist, 
Yet, and this is that important point, this is kind of the crux of the story, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, John the Baptist. And I just love, even as we talk about, this is where the the story is going with John, but where did it begin? And that's where we want you to to look at Luke chapter 1, and we'll start at the beginning of the story. Yeah, when we um, look at that, the end, it's kind of the rest of the story and the end of where John's life ended. And when you go back to the beginning of John's life, we think of beginning Advent, and that is that prophetic message, that lighting of the candle of prophecy, which maybe some of you did this week as you um, began the Advent season. But when we think of John the Baptist, we know that his coming was prophesied. And in fact, concerning Messiah, presented in the Hebrew scriptures, if we look back at Isaiah 53, we look at Daniel 9, 24 and following, and then coming into Malachi, as Walt just referred to, the prophet announces, the prophet Malachi told that there would be a forerunner to this Messiah. And so the the Jewish people, they waited, and they've watched with great anticipation and great expectation over 400 years of silence, yeah. right, from yeah. Malachi's ministry until now as we open up these first chapters in the Gospels that are given to us. And you think people in Jerusalem, they were coming to the temple and the, the priests continued to perform their assigned duties and tasks, and yet they continued waiting watching for this promised one. When will he come? Will he truly come? And the Lord had his plan. He had his timing. And then we come into Luke chapter 1, and we see here that in the days of Herod, there was a priest named Zacharias, and his wife, her name is Elizabeth. And we learn that they are both from a priestly line of Aaron, and they have lived their years of marriage unable to have children. And the scriptures specifically tell us that Elizabeth was not able to conceive a child. In fact, she was barren. And this text, if we look at Luke 6, Um, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. This doesn't mean they were perfect. No, (laughs) it doesn't mean they're perfect, but it means they're righteous in the sight of God. It means they're walking with the Lord blamelessly. And, and he he did his duty as a priest. He They went up to Jerusalem. They they did the things that were asked of them according to the law. Right. They're, they were faithful. They were faithful, mm-hmm. not just each individual, but faithful as a couple mm-hmm. to do all that the Lord mm-hmm. wanted them to do. And what a great commendation that is, that, that we be found faithful. I love it. And then verse 7, but they had no child because... One, Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. So we get the idea that they actually, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they've been without a child. They've been living for the Lord. They've been doing the things that God asked them to do as a Jewish couple. And yet now, as they were getting older in age, it looked like 
they would never realize a child of their own. And we know from scripture also, children are a gift from the Lord. And this couple bore, as it were, an amount of shame for not having a child of their own. People wondering, you know, what was wrong? Was this God's uh, discipline in their lives? Imagine Elizabeth's sense of humiliation for many years as she went to the market and she would see friends and, and then she would begin to see younger women who were with child and she had never experienced that even as they would go up to Jerusalem and he would do the service that he was to do as a priest and she would stand in the court of women and she would wonder, Lord, what, what, what is wrong? Why, why did I not realize? And so there may have been days she struggled with great sorrow, a strong sense of disappointment uh, for her life of what she had hoped to hold a child and care for a child, um, disappointment even in the Lord. Yeah, and, and confusion too. I, I, mm. If you've ministered to any couples um, that have been unable to have children, they've struggled with infertility, there's just um, this sense, is it my fault? Is it her fault? Is, what are, why, what is, are we doing wrong? Why can't we get this to work? Everybody else seems to be yeah, able to do and, it. And in this passage, it tells us that they had lived godly lives, that they had walked according to the law and the commandments. Why had God not allowed them to have a child of their own? But I think, as I've poured over these verses the last few weeks, well, and, and I've looked at it, you know, Elizabeth was chosen by God to fulfill a role selected specifically for her. Mm-hmm. You know, God chose this righteous couple who lived an upright and virtuous life to be the parents of the forerunner, John the Baptist. This, think about it, this baby boy, he needed mature, wise, godly parents. He needed parents who were going to send him in the direction and train him, and they were going to raise him and nurture him for the role he was chosen to fulfill for God's plan. And really, when we talk about the Advent, we talk about the Advent, the coming of, of the Son of God, the eternal Son coming and becoming the God-man dwelling in flesh. But really, the Advent is started with this story. It's the Advent. We have to have John the Baptist before we get to Jesus. Mm, yeah, yeah, because he's the forerunner, and he is the one who's preparing the way. And so we even see continuing in Luke 1, and I won't read all the verses, but look at verses 13 to 17. The angel says to Zechariah, we're not even getting into that part of the story today, but the angel says, your wife will bear a son. You're going to name him John. You'll have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine or liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him, the him, Jesus, the Messiah, the Emmanuel, God with us, and turn the hearts of fathers to children. And so Elizabeth trusted even these years before the angel came to Zechariah in the temple on this one particular day in Luke 1. 
but she trusted in the midst of her disappointment. I love that word, Walt, that you used of confusion. You know, what what's what have we done wrong? Why why is this happening? Is it me? Is it him? You know, um, and she kept her eyes on Yahweh, on the Lord, on Jehovah, even though life seemed to fall short of her hopes and plans. And Brenda, I, th- I think that's a great principle for all of us who mm. are trying to follow the Lord. Um, in times of confusion, what should we do? We'll dig in and try to figure this out, and uh, what are the possibilities, and what could I have done differently? Times of confusion, we need to focus in on the Lord and what His Word teaches us. We need to bring that confusion to Him and ask Him, Lord, would you make sense of this all? Because I can't do that. Yeah, and Elizabeth, she didn't try to fix it. I mean, I like what you just said. Elizabeth believed God cared for her, that God had a plan, and so she made a mindful choice to continue living a righteous life. That's hard. That's hard to sit and and wait in the midst of, of the disappointments of life. They can be overwhelming, right? And the text specifically says that they were praying. They were praying for this child. Mm. Your your prayers have been heard and answered. Mm. And I mean, how exciting is that to have the angel of the Lord say, guess what? <laughs> Things are fixing to change, as they say in Texas. We're getting ready to have a whole new season of your life. And she experienced that for over 30 years. And I love that this couple did not stray from righteous, godly living, but rather uh, they continued in their faithful, godly walk. And each of us, we can recall situations in our lives um, when we wondered, you know, God, do you hear my prayers? Uh, Hello, God, are you even paying attention to all the details of everything that's happening in my my world right now, do you care? And we've come to God sometimes with those very pointed questions. Have you forgotten us, Lord? Do you see us here? Do you see my hurt, my pain, my disappointment, my confusion, my shame? And I love this verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And yet, even as you read that, remember that that part of the book of Jeremiah, God is saying, your judgment is coming. There's, there's no stopping it now. And you're going to go into captivity. And, and it would be real easy for them to say, man, um, the Lord's deserted us. Man, he's, he's allowed us to, to be taken into this pagan land. Is there any hope? And God says, yes, <laughs> there is hope. There is a future. There is a plan. What you need to do is trust me. Mm. We've, so we've got to remember, God's not haphazard. He has a plan. In fact, God is very careful. You know, he weaves every detail into his purpose his perfect plan according to his sovereign will. You know, we've been talking about John the Baptist, uh, both the end of his life and the, then the beginning and, and the, the prophecy that he must come as a forerunner of Messiah. And I love this, I read it earlier, but the sending of, of the messenger ahead of who will prepare a way for you. And Jesus' comment, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not yet arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And you just stop and think. I mean, he's saying, think of all the heroes of the faith. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. I mean, insert any name. Moses, 
Daniel, David, Jeremiah, Isaiah. You just go through this list and you say, look at all these great heroes of the faith. Um, Ruth, uh, who who's in the genealogy of Christ. Um, other people that have stepped up and stepped up to the plate, how great they are. And yet what Jesus is saying is, hey, right up there in that same hall of faith is John the Baptist. But then this great comment, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And John will be in the kingdom of heaven, I get that. But what Jesus is saying is, you don't have to outwardly be a great person or noticed by the world or even proclaimed or even written about. But if you walk humbly with the Lord and if you entrust your life into him, you will be great in the kingdom. You will be great when you get home. And when we think of head to heart, I want to read these verses from Luke 1, verses 24 and 25. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant And she kept herself in seclusion in five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Elizabeth turned to the Lord. And, you know, we don't really know why she went into seclusion for five five months. Was it, did she just want to totally focus on this child? Was she committing this, the birth of this baby? Was she, you know, just a lot, I'm sure to think about an older woman. But in this, she says, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me. And so in our head to heart, can I trust his plan, his purpose for my life? You know, we can give the easy answer to that question, right? We, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. We can do that. Oh, I can. I can. I'm trusting God. However, if we allow ourselves some time and just um, a few moments, even today, after you have listened to our podcast today, be open and honest. When have you experienced doubt or struggled with the sovereignty of God? Ask God to strengthen your resolve to live a righteous life, and to trust him for his purpose and plan. Elizabeth certainly modeled that for us. You know, Israel was watching for the promised one, but Malachi told them that forerunner was coming first. They waited for decades and centuries. God had a plan. God had a purpose. You know, during this Advent season, Let's set our focus on Jesus, the Son of God who came to earth. O come, O come, Emmanuel, until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. And I love even that the refrain goes on, and ransom captive Israel, and ransom those who are held captive to their sin, to their confusion. Well, until our next Advent Reflection, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.